Well, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but we're all doing it. And that is our taxes. You can't escape them. You got to pay them. And that's what we're talking about on today's show. We brought on our guest, Tom Turner, and he is a CPA by background, works a lot on the individual tax side, self-employment tax side, and he's got quite a bit to talk about today. Well, Merce, now Tom's going to hear this, and you just said he's not that sexy. So <laughs> we all know that that the CPA, Tom Turner, you know, it, you know, he brings it when it comes to taxes. So we're excited. Hey, by the way, before we get into this too much here, Merce, I, I think that this is a big deal with us and our firm when it comes to QCDs. Can you tell us what QCD stands for and why we want to listen for that? Yeah, QCD is Qualified Charitable Distribution. And basically, it's a huge tax advantage that you can you can really utilize to take some some of the bill off of your table. And that's done within your IRA if you're above 70 and a half. We talk about that quite a bit. So make sure you stay tuned for that. All right. So before we get into the episode, though, just a couple of quick reminders and requests and pleas of, uh, of your help. Uh, if you have not had an opportunity yet, uh, we love it. And, and you can actually do it multiple times. I didn't know this originally, but you can give us a a five-star rating. We love five-star ratings. If you want, if you feel that our show is worth five stars, which we've gotten uh, quite a few of those, please give us that. And if you can write us a review, that's what we really, really, really want uh, because it helps us. And we read all of those reviews, by the way, and we try to make sure that we implement any suggestions. Or if you say, hey, I really like this part of the show, then it helps us to make sure we key in on that. So please, if you can take just a couple of minutes and do that, we would certainly appreciate it. One other quick thing, if you're listening to the show and you go, man, I'd love to get more details on things, you can visit our website, which is pomwealth.net forward slash blog. And I send you to the blog page because on that blog page, we have tons of articles on a lot of the topics that we've spoke about on the podcast, and you have all of it there in a written format. On the right-hand side, though, you'll see a place that you can click on, and it is our mini video course called Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. It's completely free. It walks you through four different videos to help you get your mind right for retirement, and uh, and so we, we wanted to have that for you for your information, so we hope you enjoy that. But now we have to do what we have to do on every show, and that's to give you a little disclosure, and that's where we throw it back to Merce. That's right. So if you got a text message to check while I'm telling you that the information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only, not to be considered individualized advice, different types of investments carry different types of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your specific situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stancil and Merce Tariq. All right, we're so happy to have you with us today. And today we talk about something super exciting, something everybody loves to hear about and talk about. It's our dream, talking about taxes. 
It's always a, uh, we have a special guest with us today, uh, Tom Turner. Now we had Tom come on and we interviewed him back on episode 13. So if you missed that one, that one we were talking about really kind of the overview of, of, ta of our tax system within the United States. Today, we're really kind of honing in and looking at 2021 and kind of what's going on there. So first of all, thank you so much, Tom, for, for being on the podcast with us today and helping us out with this. Yeah, thanks for having me as always, Raiden. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, taxes are, I always tell people, I would never want to do my own taxes. I don't want to learn all the things I got to do to do all that. And that's why I, you know, I think people get a financial advisor as well. That's just not having to learn everything. I mean, it's something you do every single day. We're financial advisors. We're not CPAs. And so uh, Merce and I have a lot of questions around taxes and we lean on you for that, for that help. So thank you. So uh, Merce, if you want to get us started here as we kind of break down 2021. Yeah, I think we've got a few different topics we're going to discuss today. But the first one, Tom, is if you could kind of for the audience explain charitable tax deductions, uh, how do they work, as, as particularly in this year of 2021? Yeah, so you still you still can deduct charity, assuming you itemize. But they made a, a special provision this year because uh, I, I guess because so fewer people were itemizing in the past that you can deduct $300 per tax return, you know, just giving to a charity. So if you can give at least 300, you're going to get a tax benefit for that. And, you know, another thing is in year 2021, it's going to go up to, I guess, 300 per person. So you can get $600 on a joint return. Very nice. And, and I, we didn't plan this, but I, this is a pretty simple question. I think Tom, could you just give us a high level of the difference of non-itemized and itemized tax return, just so we kind of got a picture there in case anybody's looking like, well, why would I not itemize all the time, you know, versus not itemizing? Sure. Thanks for reminding me. So basically, you're going to get a standard deduction of a pretty nice amount, about $25,000. So, so either you're going to take your income and subtract $25,000 for joint, 12, $12.5 for single, or you're going to itemize. And if you itemize, you're going to take your medical and your mortgage interest and your charity, and hopefully those will be more than the standard. Ah, so. okay. Very good. So if I think... If I think I'm not going to have more than that, then I wouldn't itemize. I would just take the standard deduction and I'll be happy with that. That's right. Plus this extra little 300 or 600 near 2021 for extra charity. Fantastic. Right. Yeah. So, so then, so that's your charitable tax deduction, but uh, oftentimes uh, we've already done a, a few of them this year and we're only in January. We did a bunch last year, uh, this thing called a qualified charitable distribution or a QCD. Uh, so this is a, uh, distribution that's coming out of an IRA. So how does that work? And how is that different from what you just mentioned on the 300? Yeah, so I guess the taxpayers would contact you guys and say, I want to contribute to charity. And can you move the money directly from my IRA to the to the charity? And there's really a strong tax benefit to that. You know, you don't, it, it's in lieu of the RMD. So to the extent you do charity, you don't have to do the RMD to that much, uh, to that extent. Um, and of course the charity gets the money. So, and it really helps when you're doing a standard deduction. So if you can do this qualified uh, directly from the charity and take a standard deduction, you're winning the game. Gotcha. So, so just to recap for anyone that uh, for QCDs, uh, anyone that's above 70 and a half has the ability to do this. So let's say, you're, you, you want to give 5,000 to a charity, whether it's a church, an organization, whatever it is, 
you can take 5,000 out of, out of your IRA if you're above 70 and a half and you qualify for a QCD, which means that 5,000 becomes non-taxable to you. It's, do, it's done as a donation rather as taking the 5,000 as income, putting in your pocket and then paying the taxes on it and then giving it to the charity. So there's a massive benefit there. Um, and we see it all the time. Just if you're thinking about this, be very particular about how you do it. Um, uh, they've got some pretty strict rules. So one is being 70 and a half and the other is making sure the check is made payable to the organization or to the church or whatever it is. Uh, make sure it's payable to that and not to yourself. The second it's made out to you, well, then they don't actually know if you actually gave it to the organization. So they will tax you on that. So be very particular when you're doing these QCDs. It's a huge benefit as long as you do it right. Right on. All right. And then the other was straight donations. Uh, how, do, how do we deal with that? Is it still the same no matter you know how it's been in years past when it comes to straight donations? Pretty much. So this assumes that you're going to do that you're going to itemize. And um, the donations, you're going to get a, you're probably going to get a receipt from the organization or you have to get a receipt if it's over a certain amount um, if you donate to charity. And you're going to keep up with all of those cumulative charitable contributions through the year. What I always tell my clients is keep up with um, the non-cash, you know, the Goodwills or Salvation Army. And it's up to you to value those. But it's almost as though there's free money in the attic, if you will. Um, it, it's got to be good quality, but, but if you can tackle on fair value and get a tax benefit for those uh, donations, it, it's helping out. And again, this is all assuming that you're, you, you are itemizing, you know, that you'll have at least 25000 on a joint return of itemized deductions. And, and how does that work? If, if I take my adjusted gross income, how much of that can I, can I give away and get a deduction? Well, there's some rules. It was... It was 60% of your income, and, and I guess there's a, there's a few very wealthy people that can give up to that amount, but mostly you don't have to worry about how much you can give. Okay. All right, good. Good, and then, um, so, so you know, anything you want to do in there, Merce talked about one that we deal with all the time with the QCDs. So let's jump down to our next item, which is medical deductions. That's a, that's a bigger topic for our clients, um, you know, because they're closer to retirement and maybe they've got some things going on. So how do we deal with medical deductions in 2021? Right on. So medical is one of those itemized deductions and it's a component to get you up to that 25,000 or so of itemized deductions to beat the standard deduction. So your medical deductions are going to be, you know, the common items, the insurance, the prescriptions, the direct doctor costs, and there's a long, long list of what qualifies as medical and what doesn't. But for the most part, um, folks seem to know if, if, if they're going to have a, a strong amount of medical deductions, you know, to possibly use those as an itemized deduction. And, and you really almost need to have something major happen. And, and something I see is the daggone in, in, dental implants, you know, those are expensive. So you get a dental implant and some insurance or something like that, and, and then you're possibly itemizing. Um, older folks that, that have uh, uh, nursing care, that's a huge deduction there. Usually the, um, so the facility will send a letter saying, this is how much you qualify uh, to deduct for medical for um, our facility costs and, and care. And of course, you'd add that to the prescriptions and doctors and everything else. Yeah, very good. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so ultimately it comes down to whether or not, <clears throat> whether or not you think you can itemize 
And um, so having medical bills obviously makes that easier to get into the stage where it would be more beneficial to itemize. Um, so that's good to know. Uh, Tom, a, a hot topic that was last year uh, because of what we went through with the coronavirus, because of some of the stimulus packages that came out, uh, the big thing last year in 2020 was if you were taking RMDs, you were, they were waived for 2020. And so that's a lot of the first questions we got this year is, is it going to be waived for 2021? We're still in the pandemic. People are still struggling. So what's your opinion on that? Well, I, they're not, and I haven't heard anything that they will be. Uh, maybe something comes out sometime soon, but I, I, it looks like no. You're yeah. going to have the RMDs in 2021. Yeah, that's exactly what we're hearing too. So on the financial advisory side, we're saying, no, it's not waived. CPA side, you just said, no, it's not waived. That's what we're hearing. Uh, what we are telling clients though, and people that have asked the question is, if you can afford to, uh, just maybe wait until the middle of the year towards the end of the year because the they didn't we didn't get the waiver until April of last year and so there's some things that need to happen to put that in place so it's possible that it could happen financially economically we're kind of in the same situation so I think it would be a nice thing for the government to do as part of part of one of the stimulus packages but whether or not it happens um, uh, we don't know and we may not know for a little bit so I would say wait as long as you can, just so you, you have the answer and you don't have to worry about putting it back. Um, but that's my two cents there on that. And I was just going to sure. say, just to remind anybody listening on that, if this is your first year having to take it, it's not required that you take it till December 31st. Now we don't like people to wait to December 31st because it's, we can't do it sometimes, but, but you got all the way well into to, up to December to make that decision. So if it's a factor that you think, hey, if I had a chance to waive it this year, then just wait and let's see what happens. And then if you have to take it, we'll take it in December. Um, if you say I'm going to need it, whether that it's waived or not, well, then it's not a question. Just take your RMD and, uh, and, and the amount that you would take anyway. So it's no big deal. Uh, now let's go on to this thing called an earned income tax credit. So could you just explain a little bit about how that works for us, Tom? Yeah, sure. So it's a, it's a refundable credit that low earners qualify for. Um, to be honest, it's mostly built into our tax software. So, so there are tables based on how much you earn and how many uh, qualifying children you have as to how much you will get in, in these credits, possibly refund, or refundable credits. Um, and I wrote down a number here that, that you need to be between, first of all, you need to be between 25 and 65 years old. You, you got to have earnings to do it, and you can't be a dependent on someone else's return. Um, but just to give you an idea of well, would I qualify or not, um, you know, of course, if you're having someone do your tax term, we'll, we'll make that determination. And of course, I assume the, the tax software services have this built in, but just for planning, if you're about 16,000 on the low end of, of income, then you would qualify for some of the most of this earned income credit. And that's for one person. Uh, for two people to join, it'd be about 22,000 on the low end to get the most credit. Then all the way up to about 51,500 for a single person or 57,500 for a joint return. Then you're starting to fully phase out and you wouldn't expect much at all of this earned income credit and well how much credit could you get um, with no children lower ends about five hundred and forty three dollars all the way up to about sixty seven hundred dollars if you have three 
uh, qualifying children. Okay, very good. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Now, so the next one that I've got for you probably doesn't apply to a lot of our listeners, but it, it as of last year, it applies very much to me. So I would like to know, um, what is the child tax credit? How does that work? I had my, my son was born in March of 2020. So this will be the first year that I'm eligible for it. So give me the lowdown on that, Tom. All right, here's the lowdown. So you're going to get $2,000 as long as you're your uh, qualifying child, your dependent there is under uh, 17 years old. So, so that actually means 16. So from zero to 16, you're going to get $2,000 per head on your tax return. When they turn 17 and older, you know, for seven to the high school and the, the college kids, it goes down to 500 bucks. And I, I guess that's kind of a shocker for the people who might've gotten 2000 the year before and the next year they've turned 17 and it goes down to 500. You know, that's, that's quite a jump. So that's surprising. Hey, is that I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that 17 at the end of the year or they turn 17 within the calendar year? How within the calendar year, within okay. that calendar year, the year they turn 17, it goes down to 500. And, and Raiden, you might be in that soon. Um, but just be aware that there, there's an income limitation there that, that it's $400,000 on the joint return, 200 on single. So if you're past that income, you're not going to get the child credit. There, there's a, a small phase out that starts there, but keep in mind 400 or 200 for a single person on, on AGI that you won't qualify for that credit. Okay. All right. Very good. So, uh, uh, it's good for people to have in mind. And if you're listening and you don't have children, but you got grandchildren, then you can inform your children, <laughs> make sure they're on the, on that there. Um, okay. Uh, now everybody, not everybody, a lot of people last year got stimulus checks. Um, and so with a stimulus check, whatever that they got for their family, uh, how do they have to deal with that when it comes to putting it on their tax return is calling it income? How does that work? Well, my understanding is it's not income. It doesn't go on the tax return. And, you know, I look, people had all kinds of questions about that. You know, do I owe taxes on my stimulus? No. Um, will it reduce your income? No. It's, it's kind of a, it's a non-effect on the tax return. All right, good. So you don't have to even put it down really. Because it's, I no. know they gave it to us, so it's not a big deal. Correct. All right. Okay. Well, so Tom, what about kind of goes hand in hand with the stimulus last year? Um, unemployment benefits are those taxable, and how does that work? Yeah, the unemployment's treated as wages, um, so there, there will probably be some taxes on that. I know 2020 was really an odd year, and they even increased uh, the unemployment more than it used to be in the past. Right. Um, you're gonna get that income reported to you on a 1099G form. So just look out in the mail for that 1099G and, and you know, certainly uh, put it on the tax return. All right, very good. Now we had a lot of people 
uh, this year that converted from going into an office every day and now they work from home. So uh, that's, you know, a lot of people have now got home offices. Uh, they're working out of the house. Uh, is there anything that people need to think about that when it comes to claiming their home office or home office deduction? Do they have to be self-employed to do that? If they're working for a company, do they get any benefit for that? Like, could you help us a little bit around this whole idea? Sure. Yeah. Cause I get a lot of questions about that as well. You used to be able as an employee you used to be able to deduct your home office you can't anymore. So, so if you're an employee getting a W2, you cannot use your home office. Um, you used to, but now you don't. If you are a business owner, then it is still a business deduction. So if you're a, a schedule C, you get the 1099 and, and you have to have a home office, then yeah, you deduct the home office. Um, so you'll either gather up all your actual costs and apply a percentage, or you can take a $5 per square foot. But again, that's only if you have the business and, and that's the principal place that business is conducted. Uh, that, that's a good, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. I just want to follow up on that. So if it's like, I got a home office and I work for my home office on, let's say Mondays and I'm self-employed, but the rest of the week I'm in my office in my you know, where we are now over here in the, in the real office building, I don't really get any benefit for the Monday home office. Uh, correct. Okay. Correct. Cause it's not your principal place of business. Ah, okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, so we, we're, we're here in 2021 and only in January. So people are, you know, thinking about taxes, thinking about setting their goals and everything like that. What tips do you have for our listeners for the year 2021 as far as taxes go? What should they be thinking about? Sure. So I've got a, a few ideas I noted down. Let me just go through these. And the first, so I want to start with um, prudent financial management, you know, using you guys to manage that portfolio. And um, we didn't address the capital gain rates. I know we have in previous podcasts or, or such, but you know, they're still low. It's still 15 or, or 20%, depending on your income, the, the capital gain tax rate. So, you know, managing that portfolio and selling what you might need to now for, for later growth, go ahead and do it. You know, I think that's, that's a good idea. And of course, I know you guys very much on top of that. Um, a second issue is, is employee benefits. And, you know, I, I do a lot of tax returns here where folks get W-2s and maybe they have an, another situation they need help with, but, but we do a lot of tax returns for employees. And I say, you know, manage the, the tax effect of, of those employee benefits. The 401k, you know, the, the HSA or FSA, um, dependent care programs, um, possibly re reviewing your stock options, if you possibly have those, or restricted stock. So just look at what your employee can do. And of course, you want to take advantage of those. You want to fund your, your 401k as, as much as you can and take advantage of that. Um, and I see more with, with HSAs than, than I ever have. Uh, I kind of like it. My family moved to one now. So I think, you know, that's a great idea there. Yeah, on that point, just while, just to, sorry to interrupt, but on the HSA, um, the idea of it is it's a health savings account. So you can use it for health expenses and that can be, that's basically a tax-free uh, use if you do it properly. But something else that has kind of 
turned into a little bit of a strategy is that the more you fund the HSA, it just continues to build. Maybe you don't use it for medical expenses and you just let it sit there and grow and grow. Well, once you get to age 65, the HSA pretty much turns into a retirement asset and not just medical only. So uh, I, I think it's a great idea. You get a tax benefit for putting money in today and then it's another vehicle that you can use down the road once you're 65. Not 59 and a half like a traditional IRA, but 65. But still, it's a great, great little vehicle to dump some, uh, dump some money in, I think. I agree completely. And I almost get the impression that a lot of folks, a lot of clients don't really understand it until we have that conversation. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, moving on, that said, uh, early in the year, it's a good time to review your federal and federal withholdings. Um, IRS changed the uh, W-4 format just a couple years ago. And there's a calculator on irs.gov that will help you calculate um, how much withholdings you should have. Um, with the change in tax law year before, th there were a few people that were surprised um, you know, how much they owed because the withholdings had decreased so much. So now's a good time just to look at the amount of withholdings and, and it's referred to as a, a W-4 form, but really you can go to the irs.gov website to run those calculations. Um, it's a little bit more effort than it used to be, but it should get you closer to a uh, break even on your tax return. So that, I think that's a good idea there. Um, another thing is the, just like I mentioned, the, the charity and it's, Assuming most people are going to be a little uh, generous with with uh, charity and such, do the three hundred, six hundred dollars because you'll get a, a tax deduction at least for that, where you didn't in the past. So that might be an opportunity. You know, if if you can give three or six hundred to the charity, it doesn't really cost you three or six hundred out of your pocket. It costs you, you know, that amount less your tax rate. So um, just a good opportunity there. And then um, another point is to identify if, if you're going to itemize what we talked about earlier in this podcast. Um, if you're going to take the standard deduction, that's kind of a just a no-brainer. But if you if you do itemize, then would you consider giving more to charity? You know, um, could you squeeze multiple? Um, donations into one year. So maybe double up in one year and take the itemize and then skip it in the next year, you know. And again, with itemized deductions, the mortgage interest is coming into play. And, you know, I know rates have gone down so much. Um, are you possibly using that higher interest and taking a tax deduction versus do you refinance and, and maybe uh, get a lower rate? I, I'm course all in favor of refinancing at a lower rate if you possibly can. Um, so those are just a couple of ideas on the itemized deductions, whether you're going to itemize or not. And then the last point I have is, is to be compliant. You know, working at a tax firm, doing a lot of tax work, I see a lot of non-compliance and we address those. But hey, make sure you, you file on time. Um, April 15th is the due date this year. I know we had extra time last year. Um, if you don't file on time, there are penalties, of course. So um, either get an extension or make sure you file on time. Uh, make sure you make all your estimated payments. That's good to avoid an underpayment of estimated tax penalty. 
and then paying the tax on time. Make sure you pay, even if you get the extension to file, make sure you pay what you think you're going to owe on April 15th. The extension is not an extension to pay. It's only an extension to file. So make sure you pay what you think you're going to owe on April 15th. And especially with the state of North Carolina, because if you pay one day late, they immediately charge a 10% penalty on the amount that's still owed. So that kind of wraps up my uh, <laughs> ideas of things to look out for in 2021. Well, that's uh, a lot of great uh, points there, um, Tom. We really do appreciate it. You know, this is something that I know that our listeners appreciate because, you know, you get behind you in, in your thinking on what's going to happen and, and how to do that. Uh, so uh, we work with you very closely in our office and, and we have a lot of clients that call you and that uh, get your assistance. But if somebody wanted to to work with you or had questions or wanted to talk about maybe having you help them with their with their taxes, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, I'll say two ways, either a phone call, 919-788-9570, or an email at tturner at hcocpa.net. Either way works. And of course, you know, with this COVID, we're, um, we're doing a lot more Zoom calls and phone calls up front. So if something works out, we could schedule a, a Zoom or phone call from there. Yeah, fantastic. We're having to do the same thing. So if you heard that and you're thinking of how to spell his email or that phone number, we will make sure that's in our notes. So you can just click on the details and you'll be able to have all that information. Thank you so much, Tom. We, do, we certainly appreciate you spending some time with us today. Very good. Thank you as always, Raiden and Merce. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.